yes, yes, No Chase Film Society, the podcast. Welcome, welcome. I am Chris Ali. This is the podcast for film discussion, uh, more so film discussion based on films that we discover and films that we love, man. So uh, welcome. Glad to have our listeners aboard with us on this particular episode. I forget, forget which one it is. Hopefully, uh, my partner in crime with this, Big Derek, was good, man. Nothing much, bro. What's going on? Man, hopefully you can help me out with what number this is. What episode? This is. Uh, this will be episode five, right? This, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're including the bonus episode, um, no, we can't include the bonus. If we're not including the bonus, this is four. Episode four. Okay. Yeah, we we have another one that we need to. We have the interview that we need to, you know, fill right. out. But yeah. Yeah, this right. is technically four. Okay, so yeah, we're back with episode four. Uh, yeah, we have another interview uh, guest podcast that we recorded a couple of weeks back um, about the movie Claudine, which we're still doing some uh, production work with. You know, we got some some kinks to work out with that and a little content to fill out with that because um, at the time and even now, Derek and myself had not seen. Well, I, I saw I've seen Claudine. But uh, it's been a while, and Derek hadn't seen it at all. So we still I got a little problem. Still have not seen it. Yeah. It's a movie <laughs> we got to hunt down, and we kind of talk about that, which we'll probably just throw it up, you know, within the next couple of days, depending on what the time is looking like. But we have a real good interview we did with um, a fan and a um, uh, a real proponent of the movie, Claudine, uh, Linda Williams. Shout out to Linda Tough Cookie Williams, um, a writer and director in our own right, a poet in our own right. We had a discussion with her about the film Claudine, and uh, you know, but Derek hadn't seen it, and <laughs> I hadn't seen it in a while. So, you know, we really want to do a little bit more with it. So we got that coming to y'all uh, real soon. Also, uh, but as you can see, you know, before you clicked on this uh, this No Chase Film Society podcast right here, uh, as you can see, the title that we're dealing with today, the film we're dealing with today is uh, Requiem, Requiem, if I'm saying that right. I'm probably killing that word, <laughs> destroying that word. But uh, Requiem for a Dream, uh, a film by uh, Darren Afronosky, a filmmaker who I'm uh, familiar with. I think his last film that I saw uh, was actually uh, a decent movie. It was it was a little, little bizarre, as some of his stuff tends to be. Yeah, Hello. I'm seeing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the one I'm talking about is uh, Mother. Did you see Mother? No, that was with... Um... Jennifer Lawrence. No, I didn't see that. Yeah. yeah, it's a film called Mother he did. I think it came out last year, maybe year before last. It was a, it was a biblical-type narrative that he, that he worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was some real, uh, some real dark... Uh, contemporary themes that that he used, and that you know, Darren Afronoski, and I'm gonna probably fuck up uh, the word Requiem and Afronoski, his name. I'm probably fuck that up. Yeah, I think it's Aronofsky. Aronofsky. Yeah. Okay, Aronofsky. Well, uh, yeah, he's he's pretty uh, he's pretty dark anyway, and he deals with yeah. with subjects that are that are realistic, you know, relatively realistic subject matter, but. <laughs> He goes dark, man. He goes 
like really left field dark. Yeah, I I, I I think the first film I saw of his was Black Swan. Um, yeah, and mine too. I think that yeah. was my first first first. What from a him. way to be introduced to his work. Yeah, it was wild. That was yeah. Natalie Portman masturbating. Yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't wasn't anticipating that I, one. I, I I see this dude loves sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's hypersexual. <laughs> He gets pretty kinky with it, but yeah. no, uh, was mother mother wasn't wasn't necessarily well. Yeah, little elements to it, but it was pretty tame compared to to Black Swan. Yeah, yeah, because he uh, actually he actually did that movie that we were talking about. I think around like the first or second episode, uh, White Boy Rick. With um, no, I don't Matthew, think that. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, look that up. you with, sure with Matthew McConaughey? I think he might have produced that. I think he didn't he direct it. it. No, he didn't. Let's 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 make sure. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yan, Dimage, Dimage, yeah, whatever. But he yeah, worked but I, on that. I believe he produced it though. He produced yeah. It. yeah, yeah. He does was, a, he does production work. He does production work that as was well. Interesting. That was very interesting. Um, he did uh he did well. We'll get to him in a minute. We we got a little introduction conversation we got to have before yeah. we get deep into. Uh, into the, into the, but anyway, the film we're talking about, as you all see, is uh, help me out, Derek. Requiem. Requiem for a dream. Rec, requiem for a dream. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's what we're talking about, and uh, yeah, that's that's a conversation in and of itself. But <laughs> before we uh, before we touch on that, uh, got a few notes I want to compare with you, man. Mm-hmm. Haven't haven't seen much, man, outside of this. Um, this uh, Aronofsky right movie that we're about to talk about, I haven't seen much um, outside of that. It feels like forever since we last did a podcast. Yeah, that, and uh, haven't really seen too much. What about yourself? I um, I've actually I just finished a documentary today on uh, on Netflix called um, what was that? Jesus, I'm going to end up messing that up. Yeah, because, you know, Requiem, Requiem is going to have a problem. <laughs> I'm, I'm having it's, a problem. With it's that. one of those I, days. I, I think at this point, I'm just going to call it the Aronofsky, and I'm even fucking that up, right? Aronofsky film, because uh, it's just one of those days. What? <laughs> God, what was the name of that, that documentary? Um, why you why you think of that? I will tell you what I attempted to watch. I do that? remember I attempted to check out uh, Regina King, who uh, who I love. I'm a big Regina King fan. Yes. Um, I did attempt to check her out in that Watchmen show. Oh, you I uh, see. On, I think it's on HBO. Yeah, I I didn't know because I know you don't watch TV shows. I don't, but I attempted. You heard me say I attempted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get through it. I don't plan on trying to get through it. I love it. You know, really. I love it. Um, but I mean, well, I mean, give me your thoughts on it. I mean, I don't have much to contribute because I, I, I think I got through the first twenty minutes and kind of gave up. Yeah, it's it's a um, very good, very good uh, project. I, I think it's pissed off a lot of people because you know it touches on the. Um, on the uh, Black Wall Street and what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some white supremacists weren't too happy with that. Um, 
but that that was that was the opening scene of the very first episode. Um, mm-hmm. that, I, I recall that. Yeah, yeah, that was that was. Um, I will say that's that's something that uh, I actually wouldn't mind seeing a, a fuller project on, um, which is mm-hmm. is the um, Tulsa, Oklahoma situation. I want I want to see that because I think that's that's a story that deserves its own movie um done right i think that would be really good um but no it's that that was that's a different role for her um she plays a cop in that in that show uh that if you haven't seen the movie watchmen Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't understand it well um Mm -hmm. I haven't seen Watchmen in probably five to six years now, um, so I, I'm I need to brush up on it again. But it's a mm-hmm. three hour film. Oh so, wow! Yeah, so that that's that's you know, but it's a great movie, great movie, great uh, um, great show, and I think she does a phenomenal job. I think this is probably one of my favorite um, roles that she's been in. To be honest, really, yeah, really, yeah. Okay, which I love, Regina King, uh, Boondocks. You know, <laughs> which people probably don't understand. That she, she, you know, she was how big of a role she played in that show. Um, right. I, I love her. I absolutely love her work. But this was probably one of my favorite roles that she's done. Because uh, it kind of, yeah. she's yeah, a legend. She's it a takes legend. her out of her she's element. Legendary actress. Yeah, yeah. I, I like seeing people get out of their element. Um, yeah. and, and actually do some other things that kind of, you know, makes them expand their roles. And I love, I love seeing that with her. Um, yeah, actually the new episode came out on HBO today, I think. Um, so I'll probably be watching that tomorrow, but, um, the documentary that I actually just finished was a docu-series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called The Devil Next Door on Netflix. I'm not okay. sure how new this is. It may, that's probably one of their brand new uh, uh, pieces, but it's uh, about this guy, um, John, how do you pronounce that guy's name? Um, Aronofsky now has me so thrown off. Yeah, it's going it's to be one of them episodes. It's going to be one of those episodes. Um, yeah. Uh, let me see. John Demaniuk. That that's how you say it. Okay. Um, he was a um. A Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. That lived in um, that lived in Cleveland, and apparently, you know, everyone believed. Well, someone brought brought to light that he most likely is Ivan the Terrible. Um, if, if, and, and some people may or may not be familiar with Ivan the Terrible, um, Mm -hmm. but he was directly involved with, uh, the Holocaust and it's five episodes, but my God, that thing takes so many twists and turns. I didn't expect that from that. Right. I thought it was only going to be like a, when I, when I saw it, I'm thinking it was going to be like, maybe like, like an hour long documentary. No, mm-hmm. no, that that was a really interesting um, uh, 
story that I think it's important to to watch. That, okay. Uh, that's all. That talks about. Tell me the name again. The Devil Next Door. The Devil Next Door. And it's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. And I'm gonna be completely honest. This is the first documentary that I've watched um, since the uh, O.J. Simpson uh, piece mm-hmm. that had me conflicted because uh, you know how did you see the documentary with O.J. Simpson? I Made didn't watch it in its entirety. I saw I saw it in parts. Yeah, so Made in America was basically the same way. I think it was like five or six episodes. It may have been a couple more maybe eight at max mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. they did an in-depth telling of oj simpson and right. it makes you see just how likable this dude is and i found myself watching it because when i when i when this whole thing happened with um you know the trial and everything i was a kid i was like four so I didn't really know what was going on. But going through that whole story and, you know, reliving all that stuff from from actually being able to be a spectator, that was interesting as hell. And I found myself actually rooting for OJ. Yeah. Um I didn't find myself that way with this with this movie, I mean this documentary. But I I'm I'm sitting there, I'm like, is is he or is he not Ivan the Terrible? Like it's it's one of those things where you can see just how loving of a man he was to his family. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. and then you see you hear all these things that people are talking about and you're like, Man, no, this dude this dude needs to go. Like but it's kinda like you kind of you kind of find yourself like stuck in the middle. Like, okay. is it, is it true or is it not? You know, is he good or bad? And it's really weird. It's a very mm-hmm. weird feeling, but it, it it's, that's to me, that's how you know that a documentary is basically doing its job by telling the story properly. Right. And, you know, telling it from different perspectives. Cause if it's just a one-sided story, like the whole, um, uh, uh, thing on um, Michael Jackson that documentary that came out on HBO right. a couple of months ago that was right. completely one sided there was no there was no opposition to it and I hated that 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 thing that was just right. that was the worst um, but this this told it from different perspectives and that's what I truly enjoyed about it um right. I highly recommend watching it. It's it's a hard watch though because they um they show a lot of graphic uh uh, uh video clips. And okay. I I wasn't expecting that. Um okay. so I I I had to look away on some stuff cuz I just couldn't stomach watching that um but it you, you it kind of helps to watch it too. Cuz you okay. kind of like get an idea of how the survivors of the Holocaust you know the hell there they were living um mm-hmm. and it is really poignant it is it's a really really interesting um uh, project so i would definitely recommend watching that okay ivan the terrible yeah 
Ivan the Terrible. Okay. Yeah. And uh, all right, well, you know, and if y'all are interested in uh, TV, if that's the direction uh, some of y'all are looking to go in with finding something new on TV, then check out that recommendation from Derek on uh, The Watchmen. Uh, I gave it a shot. Uh, you know, not 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 my bag, man. Not my yeah. bag. I do like to see that um that uh, Regina King is working though, and, and really really putting herself out to have has herself out there like that. She's a phenomenal talent. Phenomenal. And she she deserves that. You know, she deserves every platform offered to her. Yeah. And she she looks good on it. On you know, she within, does within the project. Yeah. From what I saw, you know, she was very uh very you know she brought a lot to it, and um. You know, I like that. The storyline just didn't draw me, man. You know, nothing, nothing about the story really got my attention, though. Yeah, so, but you're also but check not it out. a comic check it out. guy. I'm not a comic guy. You're right. So I'm, that might be I'm it, too. Scorsese on that shit. Team <laughs> Scorsese. We're not going to do that on this one. We might dedicate another podcast to that, but we're not doing that on this one because I got some more shit to start Yeah. Um, on this one before we get into this movie. Because I haven't seen them, like I said earlier. Um, I didn't catch much besides this movie, and that was enough. You know, I, I processed enough with this uh, Aronofsky film, so I'm I'm good. But um, we still got to do something on Joker, man. We still got to do something on the Joker. Joker and uh, uh, John Witherspoon. Yes, got to do some John Witherspoon stuff. We got we got to put some put something out for that definitely. So you guys look out for that. Also, uh, we got an Instagram page for those of you all out there who operate and rock on social media. You can uh, you can actually find us on uh, NC Film Society on on IG, NC Film Society on IG. Leave uh, whatever films that you all have that you all find um, interesting or something that y'all discover y'all want to hear us talk about. Please hit us up on there. And uh, I'll be sure to to put it up, definitely. But um, something I want to touch on with you, though, Derek, mm-hmm. before we get into this uh, into this film, the uh, Harriet Tubman film, which I haven't seen. Oh man, I haven't seen it, but I know you have heard about the controversy and, and all the heat that the film has gotten, right? Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. I just want to chop it up about that for a minute. And uh, just put some thoughts out there on that because uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting, man. Yeah, I'm I'm um I'm still kind of torn if I'm actually gonna go see it or not. Um, because I I, I my thing is like with the uh, Nat Turner story with um. Uh, birth of a nation mm-hmm. that you know i was i was fully behind you know um thought that was a story that needed to be told i think this is a story that needs to be told um the problem is see this is my issue with 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 filmmakers that don't do things properly um i'm not just from the limited things that i've seen with the movie I question how authentic this is going to be mm. um, and how true it is going to be to, to Harriet Tubman. Um, and that's why I'm kind of cautious with it. 
I might still go see it, but I, I'm not sure that I'm going to have too much uh, hope for it actually being something that's worthwhile. Um, I don't know. That's Isn't Janelle well, Monae in that movie? Yeah, she's in it. Janelle yeah. Monae, uh, Cynthia Eviro, I believe I'm pronouncing her name. And that's who plays uh, Harriet. That's who plays Harriet. Yeah, who who actually is a good actress. You know, I, I like yeah. her. I like I like work that I've seen her in. I saw her in a movie called uh, God uh, Casino Royal Royale or something like that. Oh yeah, the Double Seven movie. No, no, not that, not that. Uh, let me let me uh, I'll look it up. But I also saw her in a movie called Widows. That's the last movie I saw her in. That's okay. the one by Ola Davis. And I liked oh, her. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I never got to see that one. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a good movie. You know, it it didn't really make much noise, but uh, very good film, and very entertaining film. You know, it was somewhat predictable, the mm-hmm. plot line, but it was entertaining, and uh, she did a good job in it. The movie, I'm, I got figure, I, I have to get back to you on the the first movie I saw in, but it was a movie with uh, what is his name, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges was in it. Uh, yeah, pretty much any movie Jeff Bridges is in, I will watch it. Yeah, it was a pretty good movie. I think it was something Hotel, the Grand Royale, or something like that. But anyway, uh, she is a Brit. Actually, she's not an American black woman. As, as uh, how you feel about as, that? Well, you know what? I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I'm be very honest with you. Initially, mm-hmm. for a long time, when this issue started to first come up. And I want to say Sam Jackson raised this issue mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, like you know, pretty recently. But it was it was within the last couple of years Sam Jackson raised this issue that there were a lot of roles that typically, uh, according to the story, mm-hmm. would be designated for an American uh, or native black person that are being given to foreign you know blacks, which are British or African or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sam Jackson did raise that argument yeah. a couple of years ago. And from that point, when he raised that ar- argument, up until quite recently, I agreed with it. Yeah. And, and um, I held to that. I did have an issue with uh, foreign black people or African people of native African descent or whatever. Um, I did have an issue with seeing those roles played by uh, that they that they maintain mm-hmm. that were typically telling the story of Native American or uh, you know as you know as some in, within uh, certain contexts is now recently being called ADOS you know descendants mm-hmm. actually black people that are descendants of slaves there there was an issue I had with that initially until until um, there's a there's a YouTube channel that I heard. And there's a podcast that's uh, connected to that YouTube channel. And I've actually mentioned that channel uh, on the podcast before. And I will actually mention it again because I highly, highly encourage y'all who are, you know, real big uh, black film enthusiasts or people who are real big on real unknown, obscure black entertainment or things related to black entertainment. There's a YouTube channel called Real Black. Yeah. Uh, R-E-E-L, real, uh, real black. And uh, there's a podcast that I heard that's connected to that particular uh, channel. Mm-hmm. And there's a film historian, I believe his name is Charles Woods. And he raised a good point. You know, I'm going to give him the credit for the observation. 
because uh, I agree with it. Mm. Uh, he raised the point that, you know, for us to have an issue with uh, foreign-born uh, black people, you know, people from particularly from uh, Britain or London or, or, or the actual African continent, for them to play roles that are telling the story of American blacks, we also should have just as much of a problem when American blacks uh, plays roles that are, are uh, actually uh, reserved for African characters. Uh, uh, so with Native Nelson Mandela and, um, you know, uh, Will Smith and the role he played of the African doctor <laughs> yeah. and concussion with the, with the horrible accent. Trash and, uh, accent. Then there's a lot. There's a lot. You yeah. know, we, we could say Eddie Murphy, we're coming to America. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not taking Eddie coming to America from anybody but Eddie Murphy. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I think about that, you know, I'm not a hypocrite, man. And I'm, and I'm not going to. I'm not gonna uh, hold to a viewpoint that that's that's uh, you know obviously you know in line with uh, what 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 we see in American talent that does the same thing. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna uphold one and and uh, look down on the other. So I actually saying all that to say I actually don't have a problem with Cynthia Erivo uh, playing the role of Harriet Tubman. Being uh, being the fact that she's not an American uh, born woman because it's acting, and yeah, yeah. if I'm gonna stay faithful to the craft um, and, and respect the craft of acting, you know, an actress can act within any capacity she her talent allows her to act in. Mm -hmm. And now, when you have it where her talent does not allow her to, well, then you criticize the talent and you yeah. criticize what she brought to the project, um, talent-wise, like for instance, Nina Simone. Um, I didn't see Nina Simone's uh, film played by uh, Zoe Saldana, Zaldana, I believe. Mm -hmm. But um, I refuse to watch that one. Yeah, you know, you know, I think talent-wise, she shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't darken your, you shouldn't have, she shouldn't have to darken her skin mm -hmm. to uh, or, or pretty much do blackface to play Nina Simone. You know, yeah. if you want to play her, then play her, play her from your interpretation. Now she probably wouldn't have pulled it off because yeah. of, because of, because <laughs> of the the the, the you know, obvious physical difference, mm -hmm. but um, but by, by saying that you should, you have that option, you have that right. There's nothing ethically or, or morally wrong when an artist want to express their art form by interpreting a character that their talent allows them to do. Yeah, I I, 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 I didn't see the movie to know if Cynthia Erivo actually did that, mm -hmm. and I have other issues with the movie though that I heard about. Mm -hmm. That actually prevented me from seeing it. That actually having the desire to see it, and that is the uh, the white savior narrative. However, uh, minor or major it is. I know some people have told me that it's a minor white savior issue. Some people have a real problem with it. The fact that it's a conversation, period. Yeah, I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, on yeah. that level. Also, the fact that uh, there's a black villain <laughs> that. <laughs> It's actually in a Harriet Tutman movie. You know, now we can turn up on that conversation. And as a black man at that, they they you've allowed Hollywood to to conjure up a black villain for the biopic of Harriet Tutman. Man, fuck you. That's that's my response to that. Yeah. You know, fuck you. I and you know, pardon my well, this is no chase film society. That's what we're here for. To yeah. motherfuck and to fuck and to do all that. That's what we're here for. So, you know, 
yeah. again, in the spirit of Dolomite, man, fuck that. Like, I'm not yeah. going to pay money and, and give my attention to a film that tells the, the courageous story of Harriet Tubman and you give me a black villain in a slave story. With a with a with a quasi sympathetic benevolent white man and man fuck you that's that's obvious sloppy and deliberate slap in the face social engineering yeah and 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 so, you know that that fuck the fact the woman was from Britain fuck that that's that's minor mm-hmm. in my judgment and mm-hmm. I and I kind of have a disappointment not to cut you off Derek but no no you're good. you good you know one but um. <laughs> you know, I think that's kind of kind of a minor issue for us as a community, if if we have that, because this film shows us there is no black community. You know, we've let the Harriet yeah. Tubman story of all fucking biographies to divide us. Yeah, we've let Harriet Tubman divide us. The story of her, the the misinterpretation, we we fell for that bait because yeah. we know Hollywood created this whole scenario just for us to do this shit. Yeah, to have schism and division within the so-called black community, mm-hmm. you know. But for us to even accept, for the, for us to even allow a film, because no disrespect to the Jews, the Jews wouldn't allow bullshit portraying the Holocaust to probably even be made, bro. We talked about on this show with the King of Comedy episode. Remember, remember mm-hmm. that story I told you about Jerry Lewis and how mm-hmm. Jerry Lewis, was a filmmaker who made a film about the damn Holocaust. <laughs> Dealing with a clown, mm-hmm. making kids laugh before they were gassed in the gas chamber, and how he even had some type of sentiment to say, fuck that. I'm not releasing this shit. Yeah. I'm gonna bury this. And that film is an obscure mystery to this day. Yeah. Because of the respect he had or, or whatever reverence he had for the Jewish situation, he didn't want to even play with that. Yeah. We've had willy-nilly ass slave stories for damn near 45, <laughs> 50 years now. Yeah. And here's another one. 2020 we're facing, and here's another one. We've liable, we, we've allowed them to, to animate and 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 bullshit fictionalize the story of Harriet Tubman. Fuck yeah. the fact it was a British woman that did it. That's that's not really relevant to the fact that they've created a black male villain mm-hmm. to be represented in the in the in the in the definitive biopic mm-hmm. of Harriet Tubman. We've let that shit ride. So I don't give a fuck if, if Cynthia Revo is British. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. If you if she'd have been British and actually brought dignity to the story, dignity, dignity to the story, then I wouldn't have had a problem with that. Right. And that's not her fault. I'm not gonna let her take those shots. That's not her fault. Um she's a working actor. Mm-hmm. She took a job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't really have an issue with her for that. I'm sorry. I, I'm not gonna make an issue of Cynthia Erivo, I'm sorry about saying her name wrong. This is one of those days, like we said. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, I'm not going to make an issue with, with her having that role or being cast in that role. I'm going to really make an issue with Cassie Lemons, you know, allowing the imagery of a black man being a, a, a primary villain in a Harriet Tubman biopic. I do have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. But I do understand she's a working director. She took a job. Mm-hmm. And it just shows, like I said earlier, there is no black community. The black community really is 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 so divided and so fractured. We can't even unite to make sure we have a decent biopic to to create uh, to tell the story of one of our our most revered ancestors, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know that 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 shows that there's a lack of community. I'm not trying to beat up because I, I love black people. I love being black. I don't know nothing but black. <laughs> you know I, I have <laughs> I have no and so before people want to give me that that bullshit 
on uh, me hating myself or whatever. That, that's bullshit. But I do hate the state of the black community. And it just shows that we are divided in the, the necessity of the necessity of a solid, coherent, factual, strong black film to represent one of our strongest black ancestors, and that's Harriet Tubman. We're divided on that, and me included. I'm in that argument. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on the side of the film is bullshit from what I'm seeing, even though I haven't seen it. <clears throat> I am deeming it bullshit just based on the feedback I've got from it and just the trailer mm -hmm. and the imagery of frightened, scared-looking uh, Harriet Tubman character played by Cynthia Erivio. Um, every still shot, every promotion shot of the image of the character she plays looks like she's frightened or something. That was my first, you know, thing. Uh, uh, um, my first interpretation <clears throat> of seeing everything. Um, because growing up, all I ever, whenever I I saw a picture of Harriet Tubman or or heard her name, fierce, fierce, strong, fierce, strong, like. No, <laughs> no fear, like not taking anything from anyone. That's what I always thought of when I thought of Harry Tubman. So to, to come out with a movie where that's the complete opposite of what I'm used to hearing when or seeing rather when I when I uh, um, think of Harriet Tubman. Nah, man, that that's that's not the picture that I had in my head. Exactly. And and I, I can't rock with that. Um. It's funny you brought this whole thing up because I was actually having this conversation um, a couple of days ago about why we're not united mm -hmm. as a people. And, mm -hmm. you know, the other day was um, the 50th anniversary of integration. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I was telling, telling a friend of mine, I was like, you know what, I, I don't, I don't know how a lot of people feel about it but to me that was probably one of the worst things to happen to us as a people mm. um because before we integrated you saw there were a lot of things going on for us right you had like we spoke about earlier um with black wall street for example mm -hmm. We had black communities that were thriving. Mm -hmm. And once we got integrated, you started seeing the weakening of um, black confidence. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's weird because, and I told him, I said, you know, uh, when people think about, talk about slavery, and they say, you know, it still exists with, uh, the, the, the jail system, this, that, and the other. Yeah, that's part of it. But another aspect of it is being a slave to white exception. And you see that so much and it's so ingrained in the minds of black people to seek out the acceptance of white people to where, you know, we're... we're not only are we are we torn as a people, but we have people that you and I know personally mm -hmm. that still shuck and jive and 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 you know look for that approval look look for look for what uh what they can do to please the white man right. and and 
to me, adding adding a black villain into this film uh, uh, to kind of soften the blow of white owners, slave owners, I should say. Um, I'm not, I just can't rock with that. I, I like, again, and I haven't even seen the, 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 the trailer. I've just seen the pictures of Harriet Tubman. Um, I saw a, a very small clip, probably like five seconds, uh, five second clip, um, a few months ago. And I think I thought, yeah, maybe I'll check that out. Um, mm. but, but hearing yeah. about all this stuff, I just, I, I can't, I can't do that. To me, that seems, uh, uh, that seems like a slap in the face of Harriet Tubman. And I, right. I, I will not do that. I will not disrespect her in that way. Um, and again, like you said before, this is not a shot at the, the crew. Um, not at all. But, but, and maybe, maybe this is part of the thing with, with, um, what's her name? Uh, Cynthia Erivio. Yeah. Or Erivo. Um, maybe it's with her being British, not fully understanding the history or story. Uh, maybe, you know, she had to go back and, and, and research and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, while preparing for the role, but to not feel that, you know, kind of that, that kind of throws me off, uh, that, mm-hmm. that even when you, like, you know, the history of Harriet Tubman to, to get in front of a camera and to act it out and be inauthentic to the story to me as, 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 as an editor as a producer, I I I could not feel comfortable jumping onto a project like that. So I don't know how you know she feels about it. Um, but again, she had to do a job, and I understand it. I just don't know that I would have been able to rock with it like that. Uh, the the whole well, the whole I mean, British after reading aspect, the script, I know I wouldn't. You know, yeah, I know I wouldn't have. The, after reading the script, exactly, like that. exactly. Um, uh, the the whole British um, argument, personally, I never cared about that. I I actually think uh, some of the best actors are British actors. So to to get upset about a British actor taking on that role to me, that's that's nothing. That that shouldn't even be an argument right now. Uh, the inauthenticity, uh, in inauthentic. Uh, authenticity uh, yeah thank you it's one of those days but yeah to not be able to to portray that story the proper way um that is that is something that we should all be upset about for that to not be the dominant argument and 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 issue is is definitely upsetting but that right. that's also, that is the reason why I don't know, um, why I've always kind of like questioned the the uh, integration aspect. Because if we had never integrated, would something like this happen? Right. 
You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I mean, a lot of people say, and I'm one that believes that integration actually um, disfavored us more yes. so than, than favored us. Yes. You know, we took we took more of a loss after integration, but that's that's another conversation. Mm-hmm. But uh, I agree with you, man. Um, I, I don't have any issue with her being a Brit. Um, that doesn't bother me. Her ethnicity. Uh, you know, actors are actors. You know, I mean, I, where, where can we go with that? We can go a long way with that. I mean, after a while, you're going to have uh, gay people saying that you shouldn't play a homosexual on screen unless, unless you're, you're an actual homosexual. Yeah, so uh, that you wouldn't have Brokeback Mountain. Exactly, which, you know, to each his own with that. <laughs> you know, we're not doing that, but, yeah. you know, you know, uh, everybody deserves to be represented on screen. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. You know, I don't think we should pick and choose what stories should be told, uh, the stories that should be told should be the ones inspired mm-hmm. uh, and the ones that appeal to those who uh, are drawn to them. You know, everybody has a right to tell their story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that doesn't bother me. You know, whoever can best tell that story, whoever has the best understanding of the character uh, yeah. that that story is, is, is portraying, then let them do the job. Yeah. Uh, that's just that's just the creative in me because you know I, I consider myself a creative. Mm-hmm. That's the creative in me that that stands on that. But as far as the other shit, as far as the motive behind some of the images that we do know that was in that film, uh, like a black villain and uh, somewhat of a white guy that that had a lifelong friendship with her and all that bullshit. <laughs> you know I don't stand with that. I'm not with that. I peep the bullshit by just hearing about that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll catch it eventually, I'm sure, because, you know, I, I, I'm a movie watcher. I'm a film enthusiast. That's what I do. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going to catch it eventually. But I'm not going to put any money um, in anybody's box office to see no shit like that. Oh, not at all. Not you at know? all. It's, it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know how we can't be in an uproar about that because mm-hmm. I guarantee if you took, if you took someone, you know, let's say, let's say you, you retold the, the Adolf Hitler story, mm. but you, you, you softened it to say, Oh, well, you know, he didn't really kill all these Jews. You know, he, he wasn't, he didn't really do this that, and the other. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure if you try to put it in context in certain ways that you want, you see fit. the The entire Jewish community would completely and rightfully so flip out and destroy whatever project that is. Absolutely. And I do not understand how it is that we and in in 2019 cannot do the same thing. We lack community. We lack, we lack community. You know, and, and we also don't have leadership because you right. have these different races and groups and whatnot that, that have a, 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 an organization that will come after you. Shoot, even animals have one with PETA. But we don't have... The NAACP is probably the one, one of the worst organizations that I've ever... NAACP is a, is, is a racket, man. It's a game. I don't, I don't understand how game. we don't have the proper representation because I guarantee you, if if uh, white people were being killed at the same clip by cops as black people are, that would have been stopped long ago. Uh, the LGBTQ community, if there were 
any any people that were a part of that community that was that were getting knocked out by cops at the same rate, that'd be done. That that I that'd, agree. Be, that'd be over. But I agree. but we we are we are passive. We allow this stuff to happen, and the NAACP when they should have been the ones out there, like years ago. I'm talking about before Trayvon Martin. You know, like like that should have been killed, but and maybe that wasn't the right word, but that should have been done. <laughs> you want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to walk that back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not calling for the death. Yeah. If anybody in the NAACP, that was yeah. You know, poor wording, but that should have that should have been that should have been stopped. You know, and 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 the fact that we are in 2019 and that still has not been the case. I, I can't rock with that. They should have been the ones that come out against this film. No, I'm with you. I agree. You know? Um, I agree. It's just, it's a joke. It's a joke. And until we actually uh, come together and we have uh, adequate leadership, there's no way in hell we're going to be able to, to, to thrive the right way. No way. Right. Right. No way. If you think about just the spending power we have in our community alone, if we actually put it towards supporting other black businesses and, 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 and all that other stuff, we'd be the leaders in pretty much every field. I agree. And the fact that we are still where we are makes no sense. We, we're, we're given little, you know, little treats here and there. Oh, we gave you all a black president. Oh, we did this and the other. Yeah. But that's not, that ain't that ain't enough, right? That ain't enough, you know. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm pretty much on the same page with you. Um, I just want to get that out there and and just have a little conversation about that because that's one of the things that um that got my attention you know, during the period where uh between recording that that whole situation with the Harriet movie and you know the characters and the depictions that it gave us um like, like i said in all fairness i didn't see the movie so before uh anybody want to take a shot at me or send me any kind of uh message or email or anything telling me not to judge it before i see it or you haven't seen it what, what i'm i'm telling you now <laughs> i didn't see it okay but i am judging it yeah so that criticism is mute at this point and rightfully um, so just just what I know of the film and what I know of Hollywood, I don't want nothing to do with that film. Yeah. Um, uh, at least not at the moment. I'll catch it when it's just something I can sit on my couch and watch when there's nothing to watch. Yeah. But um, as of now, I'm not going to make a preference to see it. And uh, I'm still looking forward to coming to America 2. Yes. <laughs> and Bad Boys <laughs> 2 or 3, excuse yes. me, in this case. That's, uh, that's all I got to talk about. And The Irishman. Also, oh, oh, the Irishman, the, that's, uh, that's the new one. That's three and a half hours, man. So I'm down with you that. know. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's I'm looking good. forward to that. That's gonna be but, a nice you know, as episode. Far, as far as that, nah, nah, y'all, y'all can have that one. Yeah, but uh, anyway, man, we're gonna go ahead and drop this trailer for this film, a uh, 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 feature film discussion for this particular episode four of the No Chase Film Society podcast. We're going to be talking about uh, the 1990, what year did this come out, man? 2000. 
It's the 2000s, no, excuse me. So we're talking about almost 20 years ago. Yeah. We got to do something recent, man. Just yeah. Before we get off this particular podcast, we got to determine some type of recent movie, within a, at least within the last two years that we can yeah. talk about. No, been, I agree. Well, we talked about Dolomite, but that was a bonus episode. We got to break down some of the recent. But anyway, today, uh, yeah, uh, Darren Aronofsky's 2000 Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> uh, we'll go ahead and play that trailer for you and come back with our discussion on that. No Chase Film Society. Purple in the morning, blue in the afternoon, orange in the evening. Just like that. One, two, three, four. Requiem. Am I saying it right, man? Help me out there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm damn close to saying rectum. I'm too close to, I'm too close to the to, to the rectum word. And, Which you know, isn't I, too off with this film. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Man. I'm not going to shit on. I'm, okay, I'm a, I'm a, you want me to go first because you normally yes, go first. Yes, please. Like, please go first with this. All right. All Requiem right. for a dream. Requiem. Requiem. I got to use the muscles. <laughs> got to use the muscles. Which was used uh, in this film. <laughs> Requiem for a Dream, 2000, uh, yeah, 2000 psychological drama film, as Wikipedia calls it, from uh, director Darren Aronofsky. The uh, It's probably safe to call him a legend right about now. He's on his way. You know, he's pretty thorough. You know, he, uh, this is, the, this is one of his, this is actually his second film. I thought it was his first one, but, uh, this is actually his second film. His first film, which I haven't seen, uh, which is Pi, I believe, nah. came out right before that, right before this. And, uh, he also is known for The Wrestler. That's another one. That was a good that one. I was going to mention earlier. Yeah, I like The Wrestler. That was a good one. Uh, Black Swan. Uh, Noah is a pitch, is a, is a film he put out. Uh, maybe a couple of years ago, which I didn't care for very much. Very uh, interesting. Pretty dry, pretty dry <laughs> movie. Very dry. interesting. And uh, but anyway, uh, Mother. We talked about Mother, which I actually kind of like. Mother. I think Mother was a very allegorical, though. You know, it's a biblical movie. A lot of allegory to it, uh, dealing with the Bible and uh, the the beginning of creation. You know, according to the, the biblical perspective. He dealt with a lot of that in Mother, which was pretty good. I like what he did with it, actually. Okay. But uh, this motherfucker right here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, requiem, requiem for a dream. This is not an enjoyable movie. Uh, let me just go ahead and put that out there. This is not <laughs> the movie you want to just kick up, kick back, and eat popcorn to, and you know, just kind of. <laughs> probably don't want to eat anything. Yeah, you know, yeah. This this movie deals with addiction, right? This is this is a movie dealing with addiction yeah. in the most vivid and in your face uh, <laughs> manner possible. And, and I'm not going to criticize that. That's necessary. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. This this is a movie for Halloween, though. If you ask me, this is your Halloween movie. That right? is a good. You know, good idea. Yeah. Fuck the damn Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> anything with Nightmare on Elm Street and all that bullshit. Fuck that. That's 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 cool. You really want to scare the shit out of somebody with some real life <laughs> shit? Show them the junkies that's in this motherfucker. <laughs> there are some real thoroughbred nutso job junkies in this shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's cool. You know, it's cool if if you if you if you want something different. If you want something challenging, uh, this is that movie, man. This is that movie. Uh, it's starring. Uh, let's go ahead and hit this cast real quick. Uh, Ellen Bernstein, uh, Bernstein, who I only know her from a, a, a Martin Scorsese movie from back in the day. I think it's called Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Uh, it's a decent film. It's not much to talk about in my opinion, but um, yeah, that's the only film I know her from. Jared Leto. You know yes. who's uh, who's pretty uh, pretty well established actor, man. Pretty thorough actor. Uh, we know him from uh, Joker. You know he should have been the Joker. A lot of people say for this two Joker movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Oscar winning. You know talent, I guess. Jennifer Conley, who was really pushing the limit in this motherfucker, man. <laughs> like, I, I, I I I gotta say, man, she. Uh, she she's she's pretty she's pretty uh she's pretty ballsy as they say man she's got she she's got she's got some real range you know she's not afraid to to, to step out there that's a very interesting way to say it yeah i've seen her in some stuff this movie yeah. kind of confirms to me that she she has uh she has guts man as they say yeah. you know as as i've heard people say she's gutsy and ballsy and all that shit marlon wayne's uh <laughs> He's the black guy. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know he's a junkie. I, I didn't understand. <laughs> you know, it, his his role is what made me ask, which I still don't really have an answer to. The, the one issue I have with this movie, right? I I don't know when the hell this movie took place. Like, what what time frame <laughs> and time period <laughs> did this movie take place? Because Marlon Wayans is talking like 1975. Okay, yes. Didn't he think something was righteous? Like that dynamite. Shit, yeah, righteous and dynamite. Like, what the? Is this yeah. a night? Is this a 1975 period piece <laughs> with a 1990 TV in it? Because the TV Ellen Burstein was watching at one point looked like it could have been dropped in like 91, 92, or some shit. Yeah, it's a pretty modern looking TV. I just didn't know what time frame this movie was in basically i couldn't pinpoint when this movie took place that's the one problem i had with it yeah but uh yeah marlon wayne's contributed to that because his some of his uh slang dialect was was 1970-ish black exploitation yes jive bullshit but uh <laughs> yeah it, it was a, it was a pretty solid cast man uh, a lot of names that that uh are, are familiar to uh, keith you know, david 
Yeah, Keith, oh, Keith David, man. Well, actually, I liked him. He was the best part of this movie. <laughs> Even though he was a, a pimp. Oh, go figure. Yeah, you know? the black pimp. There you go. The black pimp, but he played the hell out of that pimp, man. Yeah. There's a pimp on screen that's going to bring some real <laughs> gravitas to the shit. It's, it's, it's Keith David, man. Keith David's a legend, man. But anyway, um, not an enjoyable movie, but you know I liked it for what it was. I, I liked what he said with it. It is one of my uh, I'm not gonna say favorite addiction movies <laughs> because I don't have favorite addiction movies, but there are uh, movies about addiction that uh, I'm that uh, I'm aware of and, and, and I like. I should say that that, that I. Uh, that I that I give a lot of attention to. One of them is a uh, Panic at Needle Park. That's one. That's one addiction movie that sticks with you. That's one of Al Pacino's early ones. Um, and, and this one, I put this one up there with that. You know, I, I don't have like I said, I don't have a ready list of addiction movies of, of movies that deal with the theme of addiction. But this definitely is one of them right here. This this is one of the ones that I think really gives a a, a solid depiction, a, a, a solid story uh really good imagery in your face too in your face sometimes imagery of uh of what addiction is and i like the the the, the form he used the, the narrative structure he used as far as three different levels three different stories of addiction with yes. ellen bernstein ellen bernstein's uh character i think her name was uh saren goldfarbo uh jared leto her son uh who's also an addict uh, Harry Goldfarbo, um, Ellen Burstein's character dealt with addiction really early, early in this movie. Um, mm -hmm. As we see, the one of the opening scenes to this film deals with uh, Jared Leto's character, Harry. Um, he's having a fit. He's having an episode where he's, he's a junkie. You know, he's having a junkie fit. And he's literally snatching the damn TV off of the wall because as, as what people who live with junkies do, you have to take measures to protect your shit. So she chained her TV to the fucking wall, mm. uh, which, which she was unsuccessful with because his his uh, uh, drug-addicted rage drove her, her, the mother, into a closet, literally into a damn designated closet <laughs> that, that she had for when her son went into these uh, drug-addicted rage fits. Um, I liked that. I, I liked the, the yeah. depiction of that. That was, that was some pretty bold shit. Um, which is what Darren Aronofsky does. You know, he, he gives you real life shit in real strong statements, uh, and, and and this is what he did with that uh, opening scene of the film. This yeah. is the opening scene of the movie. Um, uh, Harry is having a, a addicted uh, schizo episode, you know, psycho episode, and you see the illness of his mother in that closet because she's talking to herself. Like, you know, you don't really, really, uh, at least I didn't really catch it right away, but, you know, thinking back on it, that was the sign that this, this woman had a mental uh, defect yes. early on uh, because she's talking to herself in the closet. Basically, it sounds like talking to her, her dead husband. She has a dead husband that's, that she's dealing with uh, the loss uh, of in this film. And her addiction that's early depicted. I don't know if you caught it, but you know, just 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 the 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 undertone story that we all have addiction that we're dealing with to some extent. Yes. You know, we all have something that we're battling an inappropriate relationship with or attachment to. And we saw something in uh 
the mother's character, uh, Sarah, uh, Harry, Jared Leto's mother in this film, when she was watching TV, you know, some weird ass program, which I don't know what the hell, yeah. some game, some, some weird uh, program she was watching. And even when she was eating the bonbons, I don't know if you remember that scene when she was eating the bonbons, the, the mm -hmm. chocolate candy shit, and how she had like a little process where she would pick uh, one of the, the the bonbon candies up and she would eat it. And the look on her face that mm -hmm. that 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 saw of just satisfaction. Yes, yes. Uh, the urge had been quenched when she ate that chocolate. Addiction. Yeah. Addiction, you know. And just uh, to see that early stage of her addiction was was blown up into pills that she ended up taking and becoming addicted to. Um, again, you know, uh, Darren Aronofsky showing you that 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 addiction shit can be genetic, man. You know what I mean? And how she eventually got on pills because she wanted to lose weight for some uh, game show that she felt like she was being invited to. So. Anyway, uh, just just kind of just telling a little bit about the beginning of the film and what I like about the movie is that he was very direct, he was very bold, he was very in your face about uh, just the progressive nature of being addicted. And so this movie was basically about addiction yes. and the levels of it. And uh, we saw three different expressions of it in Marlon Wayans' character, uh, Jennifer Conley, who played uh, Harry, the son, uh, played his girlfriend. Who ended up uh, selling her ass for 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 <laughs> what she? No, literally, she was she. Her addiction drove her into prostitution. Where Jared Leto's addiction drove him into, uh, I think, with jail. Both him and Marlon Wayans was driven into prison mm -hmm. uh, by their addictions. Jared Leto's character Harry lost her arm because he was shooting up in an infected arm. I mean, he was just, you know, just a a, a massive junkie. Misfit that uh, that, that thing looked nasty, crashed and burned. You know, uh, I, I like the, 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 the depictions he made with this. Um, pretty bold statement, not an enjoyable movie, uh, not something I would recommend that you will watch if you're just trying to, you know, just be entertained because there's, there's not much entertainment value to it. But like I said, it's a horror movie. And whatever enjoyment you get out of horror, well, this is some, is some scary shit because this really gives you uh, a real in-your-face, uh, you know, depiction of, of addictive behavior. So uh, with that, you know, I recommend it if you can. if you're a horror type, go ahead and check it out. You know, go ahead and check it out. Man. Yeah. But go ahead, and give me your input, man. I'm gonna be completely honest. <laughs> I think I'm still processing that. Yeah. Um. My God, the the addiction aspect of the movie uh, was without doubt the biggest part of this movie. I I completely agree with you on that. It was mm -hmm. it was definitely in your face. Um, you can tell the that the um that Sarah was completely addicted to this TV. Um, in fact, that, that living room is probably the only part of the how of the of the apartment that we saw for the majority of the film. Mm -hmm. and, and she was she was just in there. If she wasn't asleep, she was on that she was in that chair. She was a widow. Yes. Yes. Yeah, her her son was an addict, as we've made clear. 
um, <laughs> a raging addict. And it was almost customary for uh, him to steal her TV, which, you know, if anybody black has, you know, lived any kind of life, um, somebody in your family has stole something from you for, for to, to feed an addiction True. in most cases. Um, so it, we saw that we saw that in this, that, you know, she was pretty much accustomed yeah. to him snatching her TV, you know, selling her TV to the point where she has knew where to go get it. Yeah, um, it's really some shit that I, I was all too familiar with personally, man. Yeah, just just as my my personal experience in life yeah. from family members, you know, from people in, in my family who had addiction. And, you know, I had my Nintendo. I had to hunt down many a times. Jesus. Uh, my pop had a car that had to be hunted down many a times due to a relative's addiction. So that was something that kind of resonated with me in that movie that yeah, she knew where to go mm-hmm. <laughs> to go get her shit. And uh, dude was like, you know, when are you going to do something about this? You know, you might want to get the police involved. Yeah. And, you know, just her response being, that's my son. You know, I'm not going to get the cops on my son because yeah. she recognized that as a sickness. She she approached yeah. it as most most people do, you know, that with family members in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just took it as a sickness and just something she dealt with. See, <clears throat> that that excuse that she used about the TV... That's yeah. exactly what my grandmother says. Mm-hmm. Um, my mm-hmm. mom has two younger brothers. Pretty much all their lives, been been doing stuff off mm-hmm. and on. Um, uh, I know one time my my grandfather, um, one of his cars. One of the guys that one of my uh, my mom's brothers old money to mm-hmm. came and got the car out of the driveway one night while my grandparents were asleep and took it because that's you know that was just that was for the money that 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 he was old um and that that is i've heard that way too many times from my grandparents. oh it's common it's, yes. it's common in, yes. in, our, in our community man addicts yes. when they get when they get that that <laughs> As I think, you know, I grew up hearing that monkey on on their back, as they yeah. call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's yeah, it's it's pretty much like tunnel vision. Yeah. All they know is feed this feed this shit. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So to see that depicted was 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 real life. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That, yeah. That was pretty, that was pretty pretty authentic. Yeah. But um, but no. yeah, you were talking about the mother character though. And yeah. The living room. Yeah. She uh. It, I think there were only like two scenes when she was actually outside, right? Socializing, right? Um, pretty, the majority of the film, she was indoors. She was she was in that living room, right? And, her whole life was her son and her deceased husband. Yeah, and that yeah. contributed to a lot of her mental breakdown because she was trying to hold on, recreate that. Yeah, um, that TV show, which I, I don't know what the hell the premise of this damn show was. Yeah, I don't um, either. But, by looking at it, but um, whatever TV show that she was uh, like really into, she envisioned herself on that show. You know, that was something that she was pretty much just infatuated with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, within the film, she got a call from the TV show. Pretty much, it sounded like what inviting her on and, and telling her she had the opportunity to be on the show. Yeah, but, and that's something she took. It, it almost again uh, an addicted addictive personality 
Yeah. Um, she was addicted to the idea of being on that show. Mm-hmm. That's that's something she really, really wanted. Yeah. And uh, it drove her to the point where she, it, you know, she went back into her closet and pulled out an old dress that she had uh, took a photograph in at her son's graduation. You know, a dress that took her back to a better time in her life. Yeah. And um, she just, again, just continued to just entrench herself in the idea of being on this show and validating herself and her family through this TV show, which, uh, well, I should say also, this was led to her being addicted to uh, prescription drugs, yeah. which, which is a great way of, of in my judgment, of him, uh, the screenwriter and the director, of, of showing us how you know addiction exceeds just uh, illegal drugs, or as, we, as they say, street drugs, but all that shit is a street mm-hmm. drug, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they they approach it, with the way doctors put people on this shit. Yeah. And she was essentially uh, uh, given and prescribed a weight loss drug that she was taking because she wanted to fit into this dress that she ultimately wanted to wear on this TV show. And uh, she became addicted to those drugs. It fucked her up. It, it drove her into this state of madness, which ultimately led her to crash and burn in a insane asylum where she received shock treatment, which I didn't think they did after 1972 or some shit. That was so what I was wondering. I, I couldn't, it, again, something in this film that took me out of what period this was in. Yeah, because <laughs> shock, like shock therapy been, wasn't used that... Not in 2000. Yeah, no, yeah. Not in the, yeah, not in two thousand. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I don't know that that was that was one of the things that the uh, aspects of the film that that uh that kind of took me away from the movie. I'll say, mm-hmm. you know, took me out of it a little bit because I just really couldn't put my finger on when the hell this shit was taking place. But um, but yeah, I did like Ellen uh, Ellen Burstein's uh, performance. It was one of the better ones. It was dynamic. I don't really know if she was nominated for anything. I, I didn't check the, you know, the credentials of the film, but uh, I want to say this is probably my second, maybe third performance I've seen of her. I'm sure I've seen her in something else, but I know I saw her uh, in a in a Martin Scorsese film, and this is probably my second one. I definitely liked her in this, as well as Jared Leto. Um, mm-hmm. Great performance. Uh, some pretty bold shit from Jennifer Connelly. I liked her in this. Uh, Marlon Wayne's very interesting uh, performance for him. I find it, um, I don't know, I find it a, a little, it gives me a little bit of pause to, to, to recall that uh, Aronofsky did allow Marlon Wayne's character, his, 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 oh wow, Tyrone, that's his name, go figure. Uh, <laughs> Marlon Wayne's Tyrone character had to endure the N word, you know, mm-hmm. and when he went to jail, one of the jailers called him a nigger. Yeah, that because I don't like using the term N word. I'm not using it on this podcast, so Thank you. I don't even want to start that habit because that N word shit is bullshit. But they called him a nigger in the movie, so Marlon Wayne's had to take a a nigger bomb in mm-hmm. this film as Tyrone. Um, and there's there's also some more racial shit. Some, another racial little tidbit, but I do know there's a scene when uh, Marlon got locked up. You know, his addiction led him to jail, and uh, the jailer, uh, out of all the prisoners, chose to insult him with yeah. a slur. 
Yeah. And so you heard, so you, you know, that was depicted. Uh, you had to see Marlon Wayans be called a, a nigger. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it was a decent performance from Marlon Wayans. He kind of, I couldn't help but get that "Don't drink your, ju- your don't be a Minister South Central" vibe off of him in this movie as playing a junkie. Yes, yes. It, it had a, it had an in living color uh, uh, variety show mm-hmm. energy to it to his performance. Um, not taking nothing from him, but this movie was supposed to be uh, uh, obviously an engine for him to show a serious side to his talent. And I didn't get that. Not at all. From, from Marlon Wayans in this movie. It still looked like Marlon from the WB with his brother. And That's Pops exactly the- what I was thinking about. I was Shit. waiting for Pops to come out the, the back. Yeah. Yeah. It took me out of the movie along with the fact I didn't know when the hell this movie took place. I don't yeah. know what year this movie took place. And Marlon, so it took me out of the movie. Yeah. So, uh, don't have much to say about the only black character <laughs> in the movie, um, other than you know he uh, looked like a dude from the '90s that was using '70s slang. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I didn't care much for his his performance. Nah, hey, but but you you see how strong their addiction was because they drove from what they were in Indiana, right? Uh, no, I think they were in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Brooklyn. They yeah. they drove from Brooklyn to Florida mm-hmm. to get cracked. Right. That is, if that's not addiction, <laughs> I don't yeah. know what is. Because they they that that was another thing I was trying to figure out. Like they they all went all these junkies went to a store to get to get drugs off the back of a of a of a uh, of a truck, and then the by I guess the deal went wrong or something like that, and someone just started shooting, um, which caused them to go down to, to Florida from that. But it's just, it was just weird. It was weird. Um, I didn't know what. Uh, I think Marlon's Marlon's uh role in this movie threw a lot off because I didn't know if he was supposed to be the partner, or if he was supposed to be the the guy that worked for uh, Harry. I think there was a partnership there that they were both, uh, you know, partnered up to to move dope together, but that was thrown off because you know they're not, they're addicts, you yeah. know, and because of their addiction, they weren't even able to function as, as drug dealers, which most drug dealers don't function well when they're addicted, and uh, that's what threw them off to the point where they were actually, if I remember correctly, um, they were trying to make some, get some money to actually feed an addiction and to actually get money back for what they had fucked up mm-hmm. um, by trying to be dealers. And that was my interpretation of what I got from from uh, from those scenes. But um, but yeah, I mean, interesting enough, you know, as, as, the, as, the, as this film did a good job, it showed you the demise, you know, the the individual demise of each character, and and how they and how they just were were able to just fall victim to those addictions, and I think he did a good job with that. You know, those were those were pretty vivid uh, outcomes. Yeah, that he that he showed us in this. So um, so yeah, that's that's what I believe. You know, came from those those two that they were just addicts trying to function and had ambition 
mm-hmm. to do something as 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 dealers, but their addiction was just too crippling for them to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's um. So, you know, I recommend it on that level. You know, if you want to see a movie about addiction, if you're into that, uh, this is the, this is the one you want to fuck with. Oh, yeah, this will be uh, it. This is in-your-face addiction. I remember you were texting me, because you watched it before I did. And, you, yeah. you know, just, you know, the majority of your, the, the bulk of your messages was, oh, shit, like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> I knew then, yeah. I mean, neither one of us, this is a film, neither one of us had seen before. So we're both reviewing this and talking about this b- based on viewing it for the first time. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I, I gotta say, I pretty much knew what I was dealing with when I saw him snatching that TV out the wall with the cha- with the cha- a chain TV <laughs> out the wall. I saw, yeah, this is a dope fiend movie. This this is a yeah. this is a hype movie. You yeah, this it, is this is about addiction. So, you know, I, I caught that pretty well. Um, I think where the movie really and this is the, the Aronofsky uh, approach to most of his shit. He does have those moments where he just goes. Ape shit, balls to the wall. Fuck it, I'm just gonna just go <laughs> go crazy with with, with my images. Mm-hmm. Um, the scenes with Sarah, the mother Sarah, mm-hmm. Ella, Ellen Ellen Burstein's character, where she was really in her psychosis and her psychotic fit in her living room, where the, the refrigerator was used as that that uh, I want to say character, but used to to really kind of illustrate. Uh, something antagonizing her in her mind, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, refrigerator being appetite, dealing yeah. with the appetite. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can break that kind of shit down, you know, in, in these movies. <laughs> Not picked up on that little shit. Yeah. But yeah, you know, the refrigerator and, you know, with a connection to uh, the appetite and how the refrigerator was, was, I guess, trying to attack her or some shit in the movie. You know, I, I think all of those parts, dealing with her uh, is when the movie was at its wildest, I'll say, you know, the movie, you know, then of course you had the Scorsese style uh, tight cuts, you know, mm-hmm. you know, close up, so to speak, that he used. Yeah. So you saw, you know, you know, Aronofsky is very influenced by Martin Scorsese based on that. Um, but, you know, he has his moments where he'll just kind of get really, really, really figurative with you and, uh, that's what you saw with Ellen Bernstein's character, with her being pretty much, you know, in a fit with this TV show that ended up, you know, coming into her living room. That shit just went crazy with that. It, yeah. Um, I can't say I enjoyed that, but, you know, it was one of the most animated parts of the movie. Yeah. Was yeah. She she kind of carried that. She but, she did a good job. She did a real good job. Um, yeah. Enjoyable is just not a term for this movie. Not just, at all. You're not, not gonna... at all. <laughs> the, and and the closing you scene, know. not at all. That. Oh yeah, you want to talk about that? Because no. I can't get past Jennifer Connelly's. Uh, I don't know what sexual. I don't even want. It was I, I like this whole. It was like a. Two, you know two how... chick, It was her, a dildo, and another <laughs> chick. Yeah. And you know they were they were backshotting each other. Yeah. Oh, this is no chase. So this is what you're gonna get. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You know, it reminded that, me. It, was. it reminded me of like a sex fight club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was weird. You got all these yeah. people, all these white guys sitting around chanting uh, different things, and 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 I. I it was crazy even... because Keith Davis' character, the pimp, he, yeah. he was the, 
he was a ringleader or some shit like that. And yes. you would never really think in this world we live in that a black man would, would have a setup like that. Yeah. You know, but hey, you know, this is this is this is his interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. Of black pimps, you know. That that was um that yeah. that uh that was the climax of the movie, for lack of a better term. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was um yeah. If you're squeamish about uh, kinky sex, this ain't this ain't what you want to rock with, man. Because but and, and you know they, yeah. they they but the imagery that they used along with that, like uh, uh, Marlon was in was in jail. I think I couldn't tell if he was like cooking grits or mashed potatoes or something like that. But the that, wilder, I, I lost that image. I, that that one went over me. Yeah. It was weird. It was like it was flashing between the sex party, him cooking, uh, 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 and, uh Harry uh, getting his arm cut off. Getting right? his cut, yeah, arm, yeah. It was, and uh, his mother, uh, Sarah, she was uh, getting shock treatment. They were yes. frying her ass. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think that the. Uh, this voltage. Yes, and 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 the the combination of him of Marlon cooking whatever the hell he was cooking, this sex party and the arm getting cut off, I literally got nauseous watching that. Yeah, I got nauseous as hell. I, that yeah. that threw me way off. Um, I think it worked though. The it climax worked. No, worked. It, 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 it worked. It did. No, it, it did what it was supposed to do. And and artistically, I can't I can't knock it. I just my God. That was <laughs> <laughs> I still yeah. don't even know what I watched. In fact, you you giving your explanation on things kind of put a lot of things into perspective. Right. Um uh because I I seriously I could not tell you when I finished that movie. I could not tell you what I watched. Uh, it was just, it was chaotic. It was that you know? wild, and, and I think that was the purpose of it. You know, a lot of that film was shot, uh, even with the weird fisheye shots. You know, you saw yes. when they were um, in certain moments of their life. Like I remember specifically the uh, the shot when Sarah's uh, character, Harry's mother, was in the in the doctor's office getting mm -hmm. her dope. Mm -hmm. You know, and then went to this fisheye shot. You know, showing that. You know the 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 unstable, inconsistent, mm -hmm. erratic nature of a damn addict. You yeah, know, yeah. this movie was very erratic. Yeah, and it and it will snatch your ass in left field, unpredictable in, a, in an unpredictable way, like I addict. You know, addicts yeah. are, are are like that. You know, and I and I think the movie translated that well. I I, oh, I like that about it. Most definitely did. You know, one thing about about Aronofsky, which is why I didn't have a problem watching this movie, was was he's gonna give you it. A in your face, uh, you know, just a no chase perspective to whatever the hell he's doing. Um, yeah. Whether it's with LA competition with Black Swan, whether the whether it's the wrestling shit, you know, he did some real interesting things with with a wrestling backstory with uh, the wrestler, the movie The Wrestler. Um, didn't really care for what he did with the Bible and Noah, but you know, it was his attempt to it to at something. Yeah. This one this is a lot earlier than uh than the ones I just mentioned. Uh it did that. You know, th this is definitely early Aronofsky. I can understand 
uh, now a lot of his recent stuff that I've seen before mm-hmm. this one, mm-hmm. I can understand, you know, his his uh his aim now. His aim is to deal with very dark uh, expressions of human nature, and he doesn't really hold no punches with it. You know, he, he's pretty graphic in his uh in his expression. I mean, I remember in Mother the, the scene that I just would I hate that I saw, <laughs> and I and I dread seeing. Uh, I'm just gonna put it out there because you know, just no spoiler alert with with mother. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene in that fucking movie, man, where you see a baby's uh, depiction of a baby's neck get snapped, man, before they eat the Jesus. damn baby. Yeah, it's it's some it's some it's a disturbing ass image, but that's that's him. That's that's Aronofsky, man. You know. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, and that that that's one thing about that movie. I, 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 it makes it hard for me to revisit. I haven't seen it since I saw it the first time. And um, and there, there are some movies like that you can only watch one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah you didn't see that shit come, but it's, it's so yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, maybe you know those of y'all who ain't seen Mother can can now brace that shit. But you know, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't looking for that one when I went and saw that. But that's him. That's his. That's his style. And you know, I appreciate it. I'm not gonna lie. I appreciate that type of shit. Um, not yeah. not when not when I see it sometimes, but yeah. ultimately you know, <laughs> it has its uh, place. You, you grow to appreciate it. You yeah. know, he's he's pretty in your face, and I like that. So, uh, to wrap this, man, yeah, I don't have much to say about it other than if you're into horror. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, man, if you yeah. if I had a screening, man, when 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 we start doing the screenings, uh, this is something I would definitely consider doing. Uh, for for a horror, if you're into Halloween, yeah, yeah, but just for, for the horror theme, uh, screening, man, this is something I would consider because it's it's some creepy shit. I would I would agree with that. It's fine in this movie, uh, Requiem. You know, excuse me for mispronouncing that word to those of you out there who are, you know, sticklers about that, but it's just one of those fucking words. But uh, Requiem for a Dream, two thousand, Darren Aronofsky. Uh, I recommend it, you know. I recommend it if you if you're into challenging yourself with a film, then <laughs> this, this is it. Check it out. Yeah, this is right up your alley. Yeah. Anything else you want to say on this one, man? Not on this one, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to be done with this shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've seen enough heroin addicts. That, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Whatever the fuck else they want. I I will say I am glad Marlon is is progressing in his acting career because if this was it if this was it after uh the Wayne's brothers yeah i'm curious to know I, I gotta check it out i don't know if this was his first uh non-comedic role i don't know probably but, uh, but probably. I, I would say that, that he, he uh he uh he there's there's a lot to be left to be said yeah yeah. About about his performance, you know, he, there's there's a lot that that uh, could have been brought to this. Yeah, I just wasn't moved by it, basically shit. Nope. <laughs> you know, it just it, it, just, it wasn't even necessary. It, it wasn't. It wasn't. No. Yeah, it was just. It was just. You know, I would have been fine with. Me Keith, I would have been fine with Keith David being the only black guy in the movie. Yeah, Keith David. You know, I, I enjoyed yeah. his role. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. I, I enjoyed what he did with the, with with his performance, but. Um, he said, "I know it's uh, pretty, but I didn't take it out for you to look at it." <laughs> yeah, spoken like a pimp. Spoken um, like a pimp. Yeah, man. Um, uh, I like. 
I'm that a big fan hilarious. of him, man. Yeah, I love him. I love him. You know, Keith David and Dead Presidents, man. I know we ain't talking about Dead Presidents. That's got to be one we talk about. That's going to be one we definitely need to talk about. Keith David, man. Fuck a talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck a talk. <laughs> I'm going to go up there and kill that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, Dead Presidents, man. Yeah. I, 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 that's one of my favorite lines, man. That would favorite, have to be one of the movies. Performances. But uh, but yeah, Marlon, man, uh, uh, you know he's starring in the Aretha Franklin story. Yeah, I saw that. I saw he's that. Playing Aretha Franklin's uh, first husband, so we'll see. Yeah. yeah, we'll see what he do with that. But yeah, this one wasn't it, man. You know, know, I think he probably just had to be a black character to, to be called a nigga. Yeah. At some point, you know, they they, they and, wanted an excuse. So you let you know, him have one the whole time, so he served that purpose. But. Yeah. But yeah, man, you recommend it? You think people should watch it, man, out there? I was listening. Artistically, yes. If if you're a filmmaker, yes. Um, anyone else, like you said, unless you like horror, <laughs> <laughs> be prepared <laughs> to be scared. Yeah. Yeah, because this was this was yeah, yeah, yeah. That was disturbing. So what we want to bring to the next one, man? You think we can catch Joker between now and uh, next week to record another one? No, people. Probably not. not. Well, (laughs) let me not say no because I all I know is I'm I'm flying to Pennsylvania on Wednesday, so I'm not sure. The likelihood is that that could possibly happen. I'll have to talk to you during the week about that. Let's do this then. Let's 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 have some fun, man. Let's have some yeah, fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have Amazon Prime, right? Yes. We're gonna do a live selection, right now, just just off the top, off the cuff, because I saw some on Amazon Prime. I won't have a light moment for the for the for the podcast. Uh, I've never seen Tyler Perry's uh, <laughs> "Nobody's Fool," <laughs> starring uh, Tiffany Haddish. And Tika Sumter, Sumter, I think her name is. Oh, is that on there? It's on Amazon Prime. All right. Come on, I know you got it. Yeah, yeah, no, I got it. <laughs> I, I got it. <laughs> I mean, come on. We, we we can rock with it. We might as well go ahead and and, and break it on in. You know, break a little Tyler Perry conversation in. Yeah, properly. All right, so yeah. I guess the next one y'all will hear from us will be Nobody's fool. I think that's in twenty nineteen. It came out this year, last year. Yeah. I want to do something recent, man. Yeah. I want something recent, something that's that's not gonna require a whole lot of you know with talking refrigerators and shit that we dealt with. But this, <laughs> you know, yeah, some. I'm down with that. <laughs> All right. Nobody's fool. We're gonna do a Tyler Perry one, uh, right here. That'll be the next one you hear. I guess that'll be episode five of the No Chase Film Society. Also, uh, much love to Miss Linda Tough Cookie Williams, if you're listening. She did a, a sit-down with us about one of her favorite films, Claudine, which we will get to. want to add a little bit more to that episode, though, so we got that coming. Uh, other than that, man, we'll be back with another one. Until then, man, uh, go watch your movie and let us know what you saw. No Chase Film Society. Done with it. <laughs>